we just talk just like just talk like this just simple talking into the mic not making it too complicated you know just what it is good audio right it's quality audio it's the best kind of audio doesn't get better than this gotta make sure I, I don't say anything political <laughs> Gotta sync up the audio, the the the, the peaks. <coughs> if you go, if you go and you pull in like the the data on the video, you can see the the, the spike in audio. Yeah. From the video itself, and then you got the audio file, and just see it string all together. You gotta line it up. It's as simple as that. Yeah, perfect. Are we, are we both in frame? Yeah, we're both in frame. I hope. <laughs> just kidding. We're good. All right. So we're live. Welcome to the Big Pal Show. Um, we got Sergeant Caleb Wood, yep. is that the title, here today. We're at the Armory, we're interviewing him, and he's just going to tell us about himself, what he does, a little bit of his life story, some of that lore that we can learn from, and maybe apply it to our lives, and uh, help give us some direction. So, just to start off, tell me, like, tell me about growing up, like, where are you from, um, what kind of sent you down this pathway? Oh, man. So I grew up in Albany, down in okay. Albany, Oregon, um, and parents are divorced, but on my dad's side of the family, we have a cattle ranch down in California. So I grew up in the summer times and on winter breaks down there working at the ranch, moving cows, you know, in the summer times, just being a kid. Um, but I have my gramps on my mom's side. So my mom's grandparents, my gramps was in the Navy for 23 years. He was a nuclear engineer. So definitely... Definitely was a military was always something in my mind that I always had turning and Albany is kind of known for the Veterans Day parade that we, we put on every year and growing up that engineer unit, which is now here in Dallas, um, was in Albany and they would always have a massive presence during that parade and just growing up seeing people in uniform. For me, it was just kind of one of those things where it's like I looked up to soldiers, like people in the military. I have, I have an uncle. He just retired out of the Navy. He was a, he was a rescue diver and he did. I want to say 21 years. It was a long time. He was in since he was 18. Now he's like 40 plus years old. Okay. So, yeah. And then I had an uncle who served in the army as military police, um, but nobody else in my family served National Guard. But for me, growing up, I mean, I think all of us we all played the first person shooters, and that's that military aspect of like, like, okay, these are masculine men. These are hardworking individuals that I want to replicate. I want to be like. Yeah. And I would definitely say that the person I am, the reasons that I joined the military to begin with when I was 17 versus now as a 21-year-old man have changed exponentially. And the experiences within this organization, the Oregon Army National Guard, have changed me as a man for the better in like a million different ways. That's awesome. So would you say it's kind of like a culminated uh, events in your life that kind of – just uh, steered you in that direction or was there a pivotal moment where you kind of were like, okay, this is where I'm going? Uh, it was definitely from a very young age. I mean, there's photos of me probably six, seven years old and for Halloween, I had like full army garb on and like the helmet and everything and I just, I even growing up, like I, I played airsoft and I knew like for me, the military was something I wanted to do and I looked and believe it or not, when I first was looking into the military branches, I looked into the Marine Corps. I was, okay. That was kind of my thing. And yeah. growing up, I was like, I wanted to be a Marine. And 
truth be told, man, and this is why I became a recruiter, is because when I went to join the Marine Corps, I went and talked to the recruiter, and he was not a very nice guy. Yeah. And it just, I mean, like, everything, like, I, like, my childhood bedroom at my mom's house, I mean, it has all my stuff still hung up in there. Like, there's Marine Corps flags and all that stuff, and, like, it's just one of those things, man, I think, growing up, like, I knew I wanted to be in the service, playing video games, and, like, just seeing that, and to be honest, I, I think, I think, put it this way, I think there's different kinds of men in this world. I think there are those that I will always say that there's a building on fire. There are those running into the building and there are those running out. And those that run in are just a different breed. And yeah. it's it's not to say there's any less for the men running out, but I think there are a select few amount of men in this world that are like, all right, I want to go do that. And when I saw you know, those kind of people in my community, those guardsmen, they were going out doing community events. It like it was so inspiring for me at that age. I was like, I got to be like that. That's awesome. I'd, I'd have to say there's a third type as well. There's people who get their phones out and start recording it. Yeah, they don't want to do anything. Yeah, I was watching a video um, of this lady. She her car caught fire. She steered off into like a lake or something, and people are just standing there recording. She's like struggling for her life, and one guy, you know, the ones you're type talking about, finally jumps in and saves yeah. her life. Well, hundred percent. There are, I mean, there there are a, there are a few select amount of men, especially in this generation. It's yeah. super unfortunate, mm-hmm. and coming from a divorced household, my father was always there for me. Like no matter what, okay. and there's some of these kids that aren't as fortunate as that. They're yeah. not as fortunate as me, to where they have that those parents that are like, all right, even though we didn't work out, you know, we're still gonna make this relationship with this kid work. And a hundred percent, I mean, that I personally for me, everyone says toxic masculinity. But right. I think it's a lack of masculinity with right. our generation. It's a it's a lack of, you know, kids being raised to with to with with a standard, with a fear of God. You know, like okay, someone is, you know, there's there's, put it this way. I guarantee you've seen it within your generation, and especially our generation, because I'm Gen Z. I'm not sure if you're still part of that attached. I'm 2005, so whatever that yeah, kind of falls. I think it still falls under Gen Z. But I guarantee you've seen it. Kids don't have a sense of. Uh, being held to a standard or there's no there's no repercussions for their actions right. like how many times have you seen a kid mouth off to a teacher exactly you gotta think even like in the 90s if a kid mouths off to a teacher you're gonna get a whooping exactly I mean, that's just what it was and there's a difference in parents nowadays too like back then the parents would be mad at the kid and now the parents are yeah. mad at the teacher and you know it just it doesn't build responsibility and that's something yeah, we're lacking and then You'll see on the internet today, same thing. You can comment whatever you want anonymously, say whatever you want, no filter. And then kids get that mixed up with reality and they start translating that into real life. And it's creating all sorts of problems and it's creating a social divide in society. Like things that shouldn't be um, like polarizing are, I believe, like... um, they make being a man like seem like a bad thing in a lot of ways when really if we came together and we all work together, I think. Well, I think, you know, I think as, as a whole society, okay, there are, I think there's a lack of, of strong men. Yeah. And it comes down to how you were raised. I mean, I grew up on a ranch. There's, there's these, these very hard values of life, you know, growing up working in Maine. It was like, it was like school, and I was like, school, gone for school, down working in California. And 
I would definitely say it's it's those like instilling that behavior at a young age. And these kids, the, the iPad kids, I like to call yeah. them, they don't have that. Like, oh, all of a sudden they're they're deprived of that dopamine addiction that they have, and they lose it. And the same thing with these kids. As soon as they don't get what they want, they're they're gonna fall apart. And I think being raised, these kids, and this that you said the divide. There is a huge divide of those that that instant gratification. Right. And I mean, just as a whole, there are those that can make it like you probably heard the saying you know hard times create strong men strong men create good times and good times create you know weak men and weak men you know oh. it starts it over yeah and so as a whole i would definitely say that I'm trying to think so we're like i feel like we're like running back in a circle right <laughs> yeah. now no I would, this I would, is good though i would say these the, the kids in our generation like you said the, the people not they're not stepping up those kids that weren't raised, like growing up, I was told, go hold that door, that, young, that old right. lady going in. Or like, prime example, here in Dallas, anytime I get a chance, and if I'm walking out of that Walmart, I might have one thing in my hand. My truck might be right there, but if I see someone bringing their card up or trying to take their car, I'm like, here, let me get that for you. And, yeah. it's, and it's these kids, I heard it once from one of my colleagues, and they said, it's not Generation Z, it's Generation Me. How can this okay, benefit yeah. me? How can I... You know, and that's 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 the that's the mentality. People don't see the benefit of doing it for nothing. Prime example: Have you ever heard of the shopping cart theory? Mm-mm. Okay, so I saw this online. I'm probably about your age, and it's the shopping cart theory. Okay. Basically, when people when you go out to a, a grocery store, let's say Walmart, Costco, whatever, and you look about and you see all these shopping carts not put back in the crawl, okay? There is no reward for putting the shopping cart back, and there's no punishment for putting the shopping cart back. So objectively looking around, you can kind of tell that society as a whole, if there were no rules, they're not – people aren't going to follow them. People, yeah. are, people are in, inherently – they don't want to do it's, – it's, it's the hard right over the easy wrong. People would always choose the easy wrong. And the hard right, right is that lady needed help. Her car was on fire, so they, that guy ran out. That was, that was the, the hard – you know, the hard – the, 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 for them, like people on their phones, that's the easy wrong. The hard right is like, all right, I don't want to get wet. Like, you're like, I don't want to get wet. I'm just going to film it on my phone. Someone will help them. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the burning house. It's like, how is how is me risking my life running in to this burning house, you know, going to help me? And there's dudes that are going to run out and be like, yo, man, save yourself. And it, it all just comes down to it. Like I said, masculinity tie back in that being raised to be like, hey, like, no matter what, you're going to go do this because it's the right thing. It's the hard right over the easy wrong. You know, I could walk up to my truck and I'd be like, hey, man, put your own cart back. But if I see somebody and they're older and they need some help, cool, I'm going to help you out. Yeah. And that's something my dad uh, taught me from a young age, um, especially through wrestling, is he said the easy decision now leads to the hard decision in the future. So when I, you know, we'd wake up and work out in the morning, uh, go on a run. I was probably 11 or 12. I didn't always want to do it. He'd wake me up and just get me going. And he's like, you can either pay now and do the hard thing now, or in the future, you're going to lose the match that you really wanted to win. Suffer now or suffer later. Exactly. And I tell everyone the same thing about the gym. Either you can suffer now and you can eat the food that you don't want to eat, be healthy, go for that run. Cause what you wear, what you eat, what you eat in private is what you wear in public. So the same right. thing, suffer now or suffer later. You're going to suffer regardless. Hard right, easy wrong. Exactly. And so that skill is just, 
a really good one to have. I think one of the best skills for a young man who's um, trying to find himself and uh, improve as a human for anyone um, is self-control. Yeah. That's really something I think Discipline. we, yeah, we just lack as a society because we're so used to instant gratification. Like, um, we can't even, <laughs> I just noticed like I can't even get through a YouTube video now because I'm so used to just watching the reels and stuff. And, and that's crazy to me. And it's something I'm trying to work on personally. Cause it's like, we're just so used to everything is quick. Like you can get, you order something on Amazon, it's here in three days. Like you don't have to work for really anything. Do you want to know what my first experience of getting deprived of that instant gratification was? Yeah. OSET, basic training. So for me going through being a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout, it is six months, 22 weeks, you know, 24 if you include, so about five and a half actually, five and a half months of training. But I got there and it's a lot different nowadays. Kids get their phones every Sunday. That's what right. I've been told by the kids coming back. But when I went through, I got there. I got a, I got my phone. They said, call your parents. Let them know you arrived from Fort. Was It's now Fort Moore. What's Fort Benning? They said, call your parents. Let them know you made it safe. So I got to call my mom. and My mom and my dad said, hey, I made it safe. And then I graduated basic training. And because of COVID, they gave us our phones. Like, And normally when you graduate basic training, you, you know, your family's come to do this whole family day. You get your phone. They're like, hey, let you have your phone for like, they're like, you have your phone for like two days. You got to talk to your family. So I talked to my family for like two days. I took it away. We went back in the training mode, back in, you know, the recon mindset of gathering inf information and becoming a better soldier. But I mean, by the time, by the time the five months had passed, I didn't have my phone. I had my phone probably three times. I got like, Hey, I'm alive. I made it to Benning. Hey, graduated. I'm a soldier. And then, Hey, graduated. I'm a Calvary scout. <laughs> and that was it, man. And, and, that's that's one of those things like that discipline for me i'm gonna be honest bro when i was 17 i was a turd i was i was not a good kid i wasn't doing good things man i was skipping school i wasn't focusing on the things that mattered in life and it was kind of like that oh i'm gonna join the military and luckily like i was i was a smart kid but i mean i did not i didn't want to apply myself especially during school and the in the military it's one of those things you either sink or you swim here and there's a reason why in like three, the span of three years, I made it to sergeant. Like that is unheard of in the military, making it to sergeant in like three or less years. So, you know, that, that discipline, I mean, that's the one thing for me. That's why I always tell these kids like, bro, like that's part of the reason I became a recruiter is because I see the people below me. I'm like, all right, that's what's below me, but the younger, the younger kids or the younger men around me. I'm like, Hey man, like, like let's get you started on the right track in life so that you can be that man you want to be. Because I think everyone in their mind, they kind of got this idea of like, oh, I want to be this person. And all they see is the objective. They don't see the in-betweens. And that's where, I mean, for me, joining the guard, I initially joined the guard because of what 17-year-old me wanted. And that was to shoot some machine guns and blow some stuff up. You're right. And, I mean, I got my fair share of blowing stuff up and doing some really cool trainings. And <clears throat> we can touch on that if you want. But yeah. Definitely, you know, the reasons why I'm in the service now have completely changed. But I would say tying back into that discipline and that ability to, like, just slow down, I mean, the guard thrives with that, man. That's awesome. So, yeah, let's start that off. What was the process of enlistment and then kind of the initial training that you had to go through to, you know, 
I guess, get you to this point? Okay. So I enlisted at 17. as a, I was a senior in high school. I was getting ready to graduate. COVID had just about started. This was February. I think COVID started in March 2020. Right. No, this is 20, yeah, 2020. And I um, – so I, I enlisted as a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout, still 17. And in the National Guard, you can enlist at 17 – and your time of service starts as soon as you enlist. So I enlisted, went to basic training in June. COVID had fully kicked off, and it was crazy. They were thinking about delaying my, my ship date because of COVID, but they ended up not, thankfully. And went through, graduated December 11th of 2020, got home. And so recon school, so basically when you join the Calvary, enlistment process, basically how it goes is, is you're gonna meet with the recruiter, they're gonna talk through your options, and they're going to find what's best suited for you. Because in the National Guard, you get to pick your job. Every other branch of service, you make a wish list. And then they're going to be like, hey, like if we have the job you want and there's openings, we'll put you in it. Right. But, like, my buddy wanted to be one of – like, he joined the Navy. He wanted to be, like, some, like, flight deck person. And now he's a nuclear engineer. Because <laughs> that's what they wanted him <laughs> yeah. to do. And he didn't have a choice. So, you know, he ended up being, becoming a nuclear engineer. But – so you meet with a the recruiter. Then you go up to the MEPS. The MEPS is the Military Entrance Processing Station. Okay. Ours is located in Portland, um, but basically you go up there, you do a take your ASVAB, um, and that's the arm serv the sorry yeah the armed services uh, vocational aptitude battery test, and that's going to go over everything from English comprehension, math, science, um, let's see, mechanical knowledge, electrical knowledge. I mean, they're going to go over everything. They're going to they're going to figure out what you know, and what you don't know. So after that, you'll go through, you take a physical, and then with the National Guard. As soon as that's over, you take your oath of enlistment. And once you take your oath of enlistment in the National Guard, you are, you know, you're, you're a guardsman. So until you ship for basic training, you have one weekend a month, you're going to be serving in what we call the RSP. So within the RSP, the Recruit Sustainment Program, there are going to be recruiters like me that are acting cadre, and it's our job to train them on how to, you know, how to be a soldier, how to do facing movements, how to march, you know, customs and courtesies, drill and ceremony, all that stuff. So, like, this last weekend, we were out there teaching kids how to rappel off the rappel tower, and then we were running through an obstacle course up at Camp Rylea. So, once you go through the RSP, you're going to ship to basic training. When your basic training date comes up, you go to basic training, and then once you're done with basic training, ten and a, it's like 10 weeks. Yeah, two and a half months. So, it's 10 weeks long. After that, you'll go to your job training. So, whether you decided to be... You know, someone that works on our helicopters or somebody that's going to work on our tanks or someone that drives the tanks or someone that flies the helicopters. In regards to that, <coughs> once you're done with that training, you that's called AIT, your advanced individual training. You're going to come right back home as a guardsman. And typically as a guardsman, you serve one week in a month, two weeks in the summertime. I was very fortunate that when I came off my deployment, not my deployment, but once I came back from training, my unit that I was attached to was getting ready to deploy. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So... Um, you spent some time overseas. Yeah. Do you want to tell the people what that's about and kind of where you were at? Yeah. So, um, so I obviously enlisted as a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout and my job is to be the eyes and the ears of the commander. If you think of it in the simplest terms, you have the infantry. It's their job to take care of the bad guys. Right. Someone's got to find them and that's our job. So it's our job to confirm or deny enemy presence in an area. But our job when we were over there for Operation Atlantic Freedom, no, sorry, Operation Atlantic, uh, Operation Atlantic Resolve, um, 
we were attached with an enhanced forward presence battle group in Poland. Okay. So our job was to basically hang out with, with Polish soldiers. We had Polish, British, Belgian, um, man, who else was there? Croatians. The Croatians, one time, I was at the gym and they, this guy yelled at me. And that forever sparked a hatred for Croatians <laughs> on that deployment. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we spent a good deal of time training in Poland, you know, it was mostly interoperability, you know, being able to work with prime example. I do reconnaissance. Well, on that base, we had British reconnaissance. So we right. would train with the British reconnaissance, learn their tactics, how they fought, how they maneuvered on the battlefield, how they communicated. And same thing with everybody else. Everyone in the unit, each each country offered a different aspect to create a full combined arms force. So like prime example, the cavalry, we cannot operate without the infantry. So my unit was attached to three of the 161 out of Washington, which okay. is an infantry battalion. And they did a fantastic job. I mean, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Craig Broyles at the time, I mean, he may have gotten promoted, I'm not sure, but he was an outstanding leader. Very, very good leader. But, um, so that deployment, during that deployment, we went to um, Germany, and then we also went to Lithuania. And Lithuania was super cool. Definitely different culture there, and getting to be like right along that border of Russia, and going through all that training, it was just that's some crazy stuff. I mean, you get to see some really cool people, you get to see some really weird people. Yeah. And I mean it's it's different. And then Poland for sure so during that deployment, um, COVID obviously was still going on, but Europe kinda had it under wraps. So we still carried a vaccine card and we would wear masks places, but for the most part, most people didn't wear masks. I mean the Polish public they did not wear masks. It was just not a thing they did hmm. at that point in time. Um, but I mean, we would go out, we go travel, go to different, different cities. I mean, while I was down there, I got to go to Auschwitz. And <laughs> so without the guard, I mean, I would have, would have never got a chance to explore Poland. Right. So were you there the majority of kind of COVID and when the lockdowns were going on? Yeah, I was. And that see, that was the weird part is that while everyone back home was, was kind of like, oh yeah, we didn't go anywhere. I'm like, yeah, dude, I just. I took a train, spent like 25 bucks, and I took a train to like a, a city like four hours away, and I was out clubbing. Like, Yeah. And that's one of those things where, you know, they – I would say Europe as a whole, I would say the public is very, for lack of better words, no bullshit. Yeah. The public is very, like, aware of everything going on, very old people, very, very conservative that's the one thing that I was yeah. super surprised about. It was super conservative over there. Huh. And prime example, we were in um, Warsaw. And I might have a picture on my phone I can show you later. But they had a billboard in the subway system in Warsaw. And I couldn't read it. So my buddy, at that time our combat medic, pulls out his phone. And Google Translate has this mode where you can right. put the camera on. You can see what the words say. And basically what it translated to is, accept that you have gay kids and don't beat them. Poland is extremely Catholic, and yeah, they were yeah. So that was like I was like whoa. So yeah. definitely like America, like yeah, we had the lockdowns. I think people here are more politically aware, and that that's cool that everyone has different views. But like in Poland, super conservative, right? Like hardcore conservative. Yeah, that's interesting to me, and it's crazy to think about. You know, um, that I think kind of the narrative the news was pushing during those times here in the United States was that this is what the whole world was doing. They were locking down, wearing masks, when the reality was um, there were many countries that were just 
full operating. Yeah. And they didn't slow down. No, no, they were completely operating. And well, 19 year old me, I mean, I just, at that point in time, it was just kind of like a day by day thing. I wasn't really thinking like the, the grand scheme of things. I'm like, all right, I'm here, I'm training. And definitely, I, th- I think the biggest shocker for me was, um, you know, I'd call my family and they'd be like, they'd be like, cause it was a full like nine hour time difference. Right. And they'd be like, yeah, like you know, we went out today and like, we got groceries, came right back home. And it's like that whole, like, oh, you know, I was out traveling. I was out doing stuff with my, my buddies and, and like the whole world, like Europe kept moving. Mm-hmm. Even when I was, cause we were in Germany for a little bit and even in Germany, you know, like they, they didn't seem to even care to think that COVID was a thing. They're like, no, we got it. Like personally, not a conspiracy theorist, but it's pretty obvious that COVID was kind of like a control thing. Yeah. Like, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I think it was it was definitely uh, over – I don't want to say over – I guess overuse of power, but it was a test to see how the people would react. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and I think it was definitely a good lesson, too, on – for me personally, just to kind of see what people act like in a time of crisis, right? Mm-hmm. So – because I've never experienced that. And I think, you know, I don't want to dwell on COVID too long, but, you know, those couple years for especially kids my age and younger that were going to school, that was, that was, uh, it was detrimental. Yeah. First of all, one socially, I mean, I've seen as the recruiter for your high school, I've walked in there and I would go talk to kids and like the social aspect, like I, so, so he's also an active serving guardsman, but at Dallas high school, they're very fortunate. You guys have uh, Sergeant Shaper. Right. Who's an NCO within one of the 186 down in Corvallis. He's an infantryman. So um, I came in and I taught a class on World War II for him. I'm not sure if you were in that class. No, I took the Greek and Roman. I wasn't. Greek and Roman, yeah. yeah. So I came in there, I taught a class on World War II, and, like, everyone, like, was like, uh, like, I was, like, trying to talk to people. And, like, I get the whole aspect of, like, being, like, the awkward kid. I was like, I don't want to talk to this guy. Yeah. And, but, I mean, like, there's, like, you can tell like there's like social anxiety and then there's that like when i was there i would still like ask questions talk like they're still right. a person i want to get to know them and maybe that's just the aspect of me that was like super into the military but these kids i mean it I mean it, it messed you guys up in like i would say your social aspect but you're learning i mean you can't tell me that putting a kid in front of a computer for hours on end and then they're like yep just Fill in the box. Like, that's yeah. not learning. Some kids learn by, like, personally for me, and this is where I think the military, if you learn with your hands, that's where the military thrives. Like, everything for me, they, they put it in front of you, like, all right, figure it out. Like, taking apart a 50 cal. No one was just like, here's a manual, have at it. No, they showed us. And they're like, all right, do it with your hands and figure it yeah. out. Because some people learn by watching. Some people learn by listening, using their hands. You know, and that's, that's the biggest thing is you can't just tell me, you can't tell kids, I know you're a square, but fit through this circle hole. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue. That's what the, that's what the public education system did to you guys. Yeah. And there was no accountability either. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was half the time I'm during a Zoom class on the other screen. I'm over playing 2K or taking or falling asleep. And, you know, it was just there was no accountability. And without that, um, no one's going to improve, right? So I guess a great skill to develop is personal accountability, but you should also surround yourself with people in life that will hold you accountable. 100%. You know, we, you, don't, you don't want people that are just hating on you, right? But you want people that are going to tell you what you need to hear. Yeah, 100%. And that's 
And see, that's one of the things that I'll tie back into why 17-year-old me joined versus 21-year-old me. And I guarantee this will change when I'm, you know, probably when I'm 30, when I'm 40. Because I'll be in the garden until they tell me I'm too old, which is 60. It creeps yeah. me out. Because I do. I, lo- I love what I do on a daily basis. But, you know, I would call it a brotherhood. You know, the brothers and sisters I serve with on a daily basis, you know, they, they hold me accountable. They keep me squared away. And, if they, you know, that's the one thing that, you know, that, that personal integrity, you know, there is integrity in the military. I mean, let's look at the military values. You know, loyalty, duty, respect selfless service honor integrity and personal courage mm-hmm. and that's where i think like people when you join the military you're getting held to a different standard you know when right. i'm out in public people see me in my uniform they hold me to a, a different standard people people know sergeant wood even even when i'm in my my normal everyday attire i mean at world's gym here in dallas our local gym everyone there knows who i am right and so if i slip up they'll be like hey you know you can't do that and so yeah definitely that this generation of kids that whole like oh you know no one's gonna hold me accountable that and that right. tie back to the beginning of the podcast that like getting held to a standard kids aren't held to a standard yeah and there's because there's no one get, you know holding you there and you know that's part of the reason why like now i i love being in the military is that i have especially those people that are you don't want people dogging on you like i know if i need help you know especially within the, here in the engineers i know i have 120 plus soldiers that are gonna help me yeah you know when it come push comes to shove, well, as a whole in, in the Oregon Guard, I know no matter what, and this is one of those weird things. I could be in a store and I could see somebody with an Army, like Army National Guard veteran hat, and I could talk to him, and it's like I'm talking to my buddy. And it's just one of those things that relationship, that that brotherhood. You don't really get that anywhere else. Yeah, that's awesome. So for someone who doesn't have that resource of you know 150 people or even three good people that can help them, maybe their home life isn't what it should be um they're struggling to find friends at school um what would you recommend like for them like the first step to take to kind of you know get to the point where they have someone they feel like they can trust you know i'll say this and i've said this before a million times every kid i talk to always reach out to me find find somebody in your community whether it's a recruiter or a you know a teacher or somebody i mean Find some of the, you, the at the end of the day, put it this way: we all know teachers don't get paid squat. They're not there because it's just a job. I'm telling you, if it was about making money, half your teachers would have been gone by now. Yeah, they're there because they care about you and they want to see you guys succeed. And same thing, like me, like I have a couple kids that I've been mentoring and taking care of and teaching about the gym, teaching about how to be a man, masculinity, you know, how to do things the right way, how to do things, you know, how to see if someone's doing something wrong, what to do about it. You know, as a whole, just that you can always reach out to somebody in your community, whether I mean, to the kids in Dallas, Monmouth, you know, Polk County as a whole, reach out to me. Yeah. Like, if you guys need help and you're like, hey, I need a sense of direction, reach out to me. Because I know what it's like growing up. And like for me in high school, I had a close group of friends, but having people that I could really trust. Yeah, man, that's that's super slim. But definitely I would say to answer that, reach out to those in your community yeah. that, you know, I mean, as it's going to sound goofy, bro, but. I know everyone's like, oh, I don't want to be friends with a military recruiter. Well, guess what? There's a reason that I'm a recruiter. So, fun fact with the National Guard, in order to be a recruiter, I had to apply for this position. All those active duty recruiters you see, they get told, hey, you know, you hit six years in the military, you're either going to become a drill instructor or you're going to go be a recruiter. Right. So, they get assigned to the, where they came from. But, like, I'm here in Dallas. I had to go board because I care about you guys. I care about the people around me, and I want to yeah. help people grow 
Yeah. So for you, it's not just about recruiting. It's no. about helping guide someone in the right direction. No, I had I had a girl at, at the RSP this week last weekend, and she was like, I don't know if I want to join the Marine Corps. I want to join the National Guard. So we talked about it, and she's like, you know, I think I'm going to join the Marine Corps. I said, awesome. Yeah. And that's what's, if that is what's best for you, that's what's best for you. And I want you to be happy, and I want you to have the best – the best career choice, guys. At the at the end of the day, I get I gain nothing out of putting somebody in the, in my in my organization because, in my personal opinion, when I enlist somebody into the guard, I'm bringing them into my brotherhood, into my right. into my my wolf pack, and I don't want to have somebody in my wolf pack that doesn't want to be there. Yeah, you know. At the end of the day, my job is to help people, and if if you're best suited somewhere else, have at it. But yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and I and I think that's great too because, um. A lot of like other recruiters I talked to, like for the Navy or whatever it was, they were talking to me and they're like, "Hey, what do you want to do in your future?" And I'd throw out a few ideas, and they kind of wrapped that like how you could do that through the Navy or whatever. There's plenty of opportunities, but it didn't really feel like they had my best interest. It just no. felt like a sales pitch. And that's what it is. So I went through. So they all send us to our recruiter school, and they teach us how to sell, how to talk yeah. to people. And for me, it's never been about i'm i'm very much a quality over quantity right yeah i could recruit a, bu- a boatload of people but how many people would be upset be like that person like oh my recruiter lied to me i hate hearing that that like, yeah when I, especially i'll talk to unit members here like yeah my recruiter like he's like when it came in 10 years ago the dudes that came in you know two years ago like yeah my recruiter lied to me like that is the worst feeling in the world yeah it's feeling like i got lied to like this guy didn't have my best interest because at the, at the end of the day, and it's stupid as a guard recruiter because guess what? If I put you into my guard and you love it, you're going to bring me other people. and be like, hey, I want this guy to serve with me. I want right. this guy to join me in my unit. But if you hate it, you're going to be like, no, nah, everyone stay away from the National Guard. And to be honest, as a, as a country, we're facing a huge military recruiting crisis. Oregon as a whole, we're doing pretty good. But the, the rest of the states, they're, they're doing pretty bad. And the biggest issue is – the quality of soldiers we're putting in it's yeah you know it's it's quantity over quality with with other states and other people and that's and that's not how you make a good military force right. in my opinion that's not how you have good morale how, how you have good people that want to be there people that want to fight yeah and i think that's true and i mean even if you look at dallas polk county and some of the surrounding areas it's just a great community you know oh, yeah. I've, I've been super blessed to grow up here i love it here and as far as like finding people that you can trust I, I think it's kind of a funny dynamic how it works that the smaller the town is, the easier it is to find people, I feel like, you know? Yeah. You know, you go to... Oh, yeah, po- everyone at Walmart knows me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you go to Portland, people are kind of, you know, staying away from each other, and there's yeah. more people, but you come to a place here, you know, you can say hi, have a conversation, and uh, it's just... Bec- I, I, and I don't know what causes that, but it's just kind of how it works. I think, well, for me... When I when I, I I grew up in Albany and there's about sixty thousand people there. Yeah. Here in Dallas, I want to say it's sixteen thousand yeah. or fifteen thousand. Pretty it's close. small. But like I first came here, I was going to Walmart and I was moving in because I just I got assigned out here, so I started moving into my place. And I was going to Walmart all the time to buy stuff. And eventually, like the workers like noticed me and they're like, okay, like makes small talk. But I mean, there's after a while you start to see people and it's like, all right, this is unavoidable. I'm gonna have to talk to this person. Yeah. And you end up building some solid relationships and getting right. to know some people. Like the gym, prime example. If you go to the gym enough times, you're going to meet someone and be like, hey, bro, like, give me a spot. And like, start to talk, get to know them. And that's, yeah, that's 
And I would say, like, for me, like, I just held a luncheon at your high school, and I was let the teachers know. I was like, yo, I said, my biggest thing is to help your students join the Guard, get them a career where they actually want to do, and then they can bring that knowledge back to the Dallas community so we can build out our community and help this place grow. Because since I moved to Dallas, man, I've fallen in love with this little town. I yeah. Love it. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, just, like, talking to people is, like, kind of almost – I think with this generation, modern era, it's like a forgotten skill. You know, everyone's looking through a screen and you don't see those genuine conversations. I think that's why podcasts are so popular today, because they are, you know, emulating a genuine conversation. Yeah. And I think for me and I drove semis for a little bit. So one of those cool things, the guard offers a lot of education benefits. And I went and got my class A CDL. Okay. And um, I, when I drove semis, podcasts are a big thing. I mean, Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan Experience. Yeah. Um, I'd listen to, like, mental health podcasts. Right. Because I think as a man, being able to express your emotions, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when it comes down to the masculinity, if you can't express your emotions and be like, hey, like, and, like, have a man-to-man conversation. Yeah. If someone upsets you, be like, hey, bro, didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And, but podcasts, I would, uh, yeah, tie back in that social aspect of, like, listening to somebody talk. And I think another big thing is... I think humans by nature, I think that's why the TED Talks are so popular. I think humans by nature, they are, they want to learn. They just want to, they want to gather more information. And sitting here listening, you know, even if it's an hour long, someone could be on a drive and they could take one thing from our conversation. Yeah. And they could be like, ooh, like, I'm going to add that to my lexicon of knowledge. Right. And yeah, I think that's really awesome and a good resource. And, and I'd say one thing of encouragement for you guys out there, if you just, you know, if you have nothing to do or you see kind of someone just sitting around, just go talk to them. You oh, know, 100%. obviously within good reason. Like uh, a few months ago, uh, there was this older man, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of sitting down. And I just sat by him and just we started talking. And, you know, I learned some cool things, cool stories that without asking, I wouldn't have found out. Yeah. You know, and there's people all around us that are just uh, treasure troves of knowledge and experience and we're not using that as a resource i don't think as a society yeah and and that's one thing i found out like even as a kid i would always see like people like the veteran hats tie back into that yeah if you get a chance go up to thank for their service ask them what they did because one time i was there's somebody here in dallas i don't know who he is mm-hmm. like he told me his name but i i hear a million names every day because i'm out talking with people as a recruiter but i'm like hey man i appreciate your service like what did you do and he was a u.s army ranger airborne and during Vietnam, he was doing some like crazy stuff, like yeah. And that's just some some guy here in Dallas. So you know that that old guy you may see walking around, you know he's got the hat on. Yeah, bro, dude. At one point, he's probably stacking more bodies than you can imagine. You know, he's putting some people in the trenches. And yeah. that's that's the thing, bro. If you can go up and you can find some people to talk to in the gym, and for me, that's where I found like my social aspect. Like I was telling you, I got a gym here, but I also work out at World's Gym because getting to know some people, getting to just go out and talk to people even yeah. if you're going to the gym to like i mean for a lack of better words i have a resting bitch face and if some yeah. people don't want to approach the big <laughs> resting bitch face guy with the mustache at yeah. the gym but i've made an effort to go up and i'll approach people like hey man you want a spot because i know if the big guys want to talk to you it's like it, f- it feels good yeah exactly you know, make that effort and people are f- afraid to ask for help sometimes so if you go and offer it you know it will make their day like oh, yeah. um you know, me being an upperclassman the last couple of years, even in the weights, I remember 
you know, kids would be watching me because I always try to keep myself in good shape for wrestling and just for life, you know, yeah. trying to set myself up for the future. And, you know, I would go up to kids if they were, like, looking at me a lot or something, and I'd be like, just start talking to them, and then they'd have a question. Yeah. Kind of get that question out because I can tell when someone has it, but they, you know, they don't want to be make it weird. Yeah. And, but it almost makes it more weird to just not get out there and ask the question You can, if you're, like, looking over at someone, you know. Absolutely. And that's – and that was one of those things – that I kind of learned is when I first started out like really working out, um, like I, I for a while I was like pulled on like I pulled a full hermit crab, and I worked out at this at this armory here, and I finally went to the world's gym and I noticed people were kids were like young kids were staring at me yeah and I was like well, why are these kids why are these kids looking at me like yeah. what is happening like do I have something on my my sh- my, my hoodie <laughs> yeah and I finally got to the point where I was like oh they're looking at me because they're trying to figure out what I'm doing at the gym. Put some muscle on to get big. They, w- they yeah. wouldn't know. Yeah. And so I'd go up and I'd approach them like, hey, bro, would you like some help? And and that's the thing. Like, those, right. those, those, those freshmen, because like, when I was a freshman and I'd see the seniors walking around, they looked like so freshman me, bro. No facial hair. Didn't have any of it. Right. like a baby. And I remember seeing, like, seniors walk. They got beards. Looked like men walking yeah. around. And I'm just like, whoa. And it ties back in. They look to you for a higher standard. Like, this guy's been around for a while. He knows what's going on. He's about to go step into the real right. world. Like, I'm going to watch what this guy's doing, and maybe I can emulate that, and I'll survive this, you know, chaos that is high school. So definitely good on you for stepping up and, you know, talking to those kids. Exactly. Those those kids that see you, you know, they, they look to you. It's, and it's less of, you know, like teachers, obviously we all, all of us look up to adults, mm-hmm. but I think the people that are just slightly old, older than you. Yeah. You can, because that's like your that's your future on the horizon. You are basically almost them, and so I think as a freshman, those kids are definitely looking at you and going, "All right, okay, what has he done? How do I survive this place? Obviously, he made it. I can do it. Like, right. Let me like figure out what this guy's doing." And I think that's why you'll see in a lot of circumstances, younger teachers are reaching out better to the audience. You know, um, you'll see people listening more and want having the will to follow um yeah. because of that well i think i i think that's part of the reason that that's helped me a lot with coming into dallas high school and you know central high school and being the recruiter there that i think the your guys generation they the, like put it this way i have a coworker he's 45 right and i think at the he has a daughter who's you know she's a sophomore now and you know you you end up having you know someone like that show up to the school like uh that's that's, that's somebody my dad's age but you got 21 year old Sergeant Wood showing up. And yeah. It's like, all right. Like, I've always got told, uh, you're a cool mustache guy. Yeah. And so it's um, it's just one of those things where I think like, you've been able to look up to someone who's just slightly older than you. Like, all right, like they've done it. Like, how are they doing it? Right. So, yeah, that definitely helps. And young teachers, when I was in high school, we didn't have very many young teachers. But the young teacher, teachers we did, I would say the students related to them a lot more. And it made them... Mm-hmm. want to learn yeah and yeah i think that's a great point um i know for me personally i felt that way like i just love working with people who are close to my age and then coaching too i noticed i unfortunately blew my knee out had to get surgery lost my whole wrestling season this last year but i was able to still coach with my dad and kids would turn and listen to me um, a lot more like compared to my dad sometimes because I was just the younger guy and they thought that was such a cool thing that, you know, I, I was like setting that example of something that they kind of, I think wanted to be, you know, a 
cool high school wrestler, you know, and these are six, seven year old kids. Um, and so that was a cool opportunity for me. And I learned a lot coaching. Like I, one thing, a skill that I'm starting to, uh, figure out and work with is I learn through teaching. Mm. Oh yeah. You'll you know, learn a, a boatload through teaching. It kind of, it puts the pressure on you. Obviously you got to know what you're talking about. And sometimes you got to fill those puzzle pieces in as you go and it will click in the moment. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's, that's one of those things when I became an NCO non-commissioned officer and I was going out to this, 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 the recruit sustainment program and I was teaching kids before they went to basic training, you know, their soldiering tasks. It, it definitely required me to dive back into some of those, those training manuals and really find the fine print and be like, all right, you know, like this is the right way and make sure I hold these kids to a standard. Right. And definitely I, I see that same exact thing where you say, okay, the younger kids, when I'm at RSP, I see a lot of these kids, they're like, they want to, they'll come to Sergeant Wood instead of one of my other NCOs who's way older. Yeah. But he's like, ah, oh, like he's, he is like basically my age. Like there's people there. We have everyone from 17 to the, to the one guy I talked to was 31. Yeah. And so there's people from all walks of life, different ages joining and Definitely, you learn a lot about yourself too. Not so much the subject you're teaching, but you learn learn you learn a lot about okay your teaching style, how you can get across mm -hmm. your knowledge and your information to these kids, especially in a way that's not demeaning or makes them feel stupid. Because yeah. that's the worst part. I know that 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 feeling. I personally know that feeling um, of you know you feel like a square and like here's the circle hole or you know right and you're like fit through it and then you watch somebody who is a circle fit through the hole just fine and it makes you feel dumb that that sucks so it's it's one of those things man where it does it definitely does teach you a lot about yourself yeah so stepping away from um you know being here for the na um national guard what were what are some other aspects that have like shaped you that you know, or some other things that kind of give you direction in life. Mm. I've done this with my family. Okay. Family as a whole, my family, my older brother. Yeah. So I, and some of those people out there who do not have older siblings, I feel bad for you. <laughs> right here. <laughs> I feel bad for you. Growing up, I had an amazing older brother, and definitely now as an adult, he's definitely my best friend. When it That's comes, awesome. Like I, he's somebody I can reach out to and somebody who I know, you know, will always have my back. That's a big thing is, right. you know, having that, that there's brotherhood, like the military aspect and there's like true brotherhood. Like it, it, that's your brother. And I can always call him like, Hey bro, like this happened. And he'd be like, all right, here's some solid advice. And that's definitely shaped me is that knowing that I have somebody a bit bigger than me, you know, maturity wise, they can like help me out. Um, another thing I would say my parents, you yeah. know, part of the reason I am the way I am is my father. You know, he definitely, at a very young age, he was super strict. Right. And at the time, I was like, oh, like, this guy is the worst. Right. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, I appreciate it. Because what he was teaching me was the world's unforgiving and we need to be prepared for it. And I think that's helped me thrive instead of just survive. So I see a lot of my counterparts my age and they are falling apart, man. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I only, at this point, I feel like I only have social media. So I can watch what other people are doing and be like, damn, like I <laughs> hit the jackpot. Like I have, I have this buddy of mine and I mean, he just, he's, 
not doing good for that, right? Yeah. And you know, I reached out to him, like, hey, man, like, was you on the guard? No, I wasn't on the guard. Cool. I'd leave it at that. But definitely having that, that fatherhood and that mentorship. Of right. Our, and my grandparents. I mean, my grandparents on my dad's side, there was a cattle ranch. I mean, growing up, working on a, on a ranch and being like, all right, you're going to go do this, this, and this task. Have at it. And I know Dallas is a lot more rural, and so that's a that's a pretty normal thing for some of these kids is to go out and work on the farm, work on the ranch, raise their cattle. And those are great things that are going to set you apart yeah. in your life because at the end of the day, like on the farm, if you don't do a job right, you're going to feel it. Like right. If you if you put it this way, if you improperly sow a field, you know, come, to, come time for harvest, you're going to feel it. You know, if you aren't moving your water around, if you ain't taking care of your cattle, feeding them, you're going to feel the effects. And so getting held to a standard really definitely sets you aside. And that's one of those things like me at a young age, I was always set to a standard. Like this is how you're going to operate, how you're going to act. Yeah. And I think that's the tricky thing about the world is um, sometimes if you don't do the things you're supposed to, you won't immediately feel it like that. There's not those immediate consequences. Like if you're a parent and you're not doing your job correctly, you might not see those consequences till 20 years down the road. Or if you, you know, don't go after an opportunity, you won't, you won't be, you know, see how big that was till you're looking back and yeah, it's yeah, too that's, late. I've kind of, I've kind of always had the saying, you know, appreciate the small things. Cause one day you may look back and the small things were the big things. Yeah. And I would definitely say the same time you don't see the, the, the punishment and the immediate at the same time, we could tie that back into, you're not going to see the reward in the, in the task. Mm-hmm. And for me, one of the big things I would say that that's changed me as a person is the gym fitness. Right. So I got really big into working out on my first deployment and having that mentorship of like people like, all right, this is how you work as you do it the proper way. Right. But that integrity of showing up every day, nobody, there's nobody out there that's going to call me when I go to skip the gym and be like, Hey bro, I heard you skipped in the gym. No one does that for me. Right. It's just me. So I, I get up and I go to the gym and I do what I got to do. And that has honestly helped me a boatload. It's helped me understand myself and David Goggins. <laughs> yeah. He's got a saying and he said, I like to study the dark arts. He said, when you're in the middle of a run and your head starts hurting and you start feeling it and you're in that suck fest of like, this is not fun. And that's the same thing with the gym, bro. I, when you're starting to feel that burn, you're going like, all right, this isn't fun. Why am I here? You're going to figure out why you're there. And it's those little things, bro, those that risk to reward ratio. You know, you're not you may you may you go to the gym one day. Right. You know, you're not going to see gains, but go to the gym three years in a row every day, not missing a day, eating the proper things. I mean, you are going to see exponential growth in yourself and and in your mental aspect. I would say I first started off the gym because I wanted to get big. I was tired of being the small guy and I also wanted to be a better soldier because we get tested on our, our strength and agility. Right. But now it, for me, I would say it's mostly the mental aspect. It keeps me in check and it, it keeps me set with the discipline and, and the health aspect too. Yeah. And that could, and that that's great stuff, but what can be tricky about, you know, progress or a little bit overwhelming sometimes, I think if you took away a camera and a scale and if, whether you're trying to lose or gain weight in the gym and it was just you, it would be, you wouldn't be able to see the progress, right? Cause it's just little by little over time. So you wouldn't see the progress until someone's like, dang, bro, you've gotten huge or man, you're looking great. You know, you're losing that weight. And so that can be something that's 
hard to deal with as a challenge of not being able to see the results right away or having a vision of what the results will be if it's a new venture for you. Oh, 100%. Um, and so I guess my question to tie into that would be how do you kind of deal with that? Like um, if you're not – if you're struggling with seeing the vision for progress. I would definitely say – coming for someone who's, who does bodybuilding, I would definitely say if you're not seeing the gains – understand for the, especially because i know the, the audience listens to this a little bit younger yeah some people like when i was your age i was super skinny super short right. was, I, honestly I was, I was pretty fat <laughs> yeah and i was not like that you know i'm not obviously not like that now but i was not you know when i started off in the gym it was not i did not see gains at all yeah but i just kept going kept doing it because it was i knew it was the right thing mm-hmm. i knew that if i stuck with it it was gonna get better I, I honestly I started seeing gain about a year into lifting, right? And that's and that's when I started finally picking up my diet, because I for the longest time I didn't realize that your body is built in the kitchen, and the same thing goes and you can you can say, you know, the same aspect if you're not seeing it stick with it because you know it's the right thing. Prime example this podcast, you know, yeah, it may start off small and it may become something exponentially huge. Yeah, it may become the next Joe Rogan experience. Or, right, you know, it may become the next you know big thing and yeah. if, even if it sucks you're like all right i'm not seeing the gains you look in the mirror like i'm not okay with this yeah but you know sticking with it doing doing the hard right over the easy wrong you know the easy out you can be like ah uh, you know i'm gonna quit this podcast you know i'm just not feeling it anymore yeah and you can easily quit the podcast but where would that put you mm-hmm. you're giving up on yourself giving up on your dreams and if, if your dream is to be you know the next mr olympia right and be the next chris bumstead you need to stick with your task at hand because if you don't, you're just you're failing yourself more than anyone. Because if I quit the gym, no one's gonna care. Yeah. But it's, it's up to me, and that's why I'd say, you know, if you're not seeing the the end light, stick with it. If you're, mostly for you. Yeah, and I think that's awesome, and just the ability to look in the mirror and self reflect is a life changing skill that um, I think as a human we can always develop. Um, one example, there's this musician. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Russ. Yeah, I know Russ. Is. And he, I don't know if you're a fan of his music or not. Yeah, I like Russ. Russ got some good stuff. He dropped, I think, like 11 albums, and no one listened to him. And he saw, like, it was during the SoundCloud era, people would listen to, like, two or three songs on his album, and then they'd kind of leave. And yeah. he recognized that pattern. He's like, okay, well, I'm taking a whole year to drop this project. Um, I'm going to switch it around. I'm going to just drop one song a week and just keep working on that until I can get to the point where my music is the quality I want it to be. And I feel like it's where I'm going. And he did that. He dropped a song once a week, once a week, once a week. And before he knew it, he slowly built his fan base. And, you know, now he's a multimillionaire successful artist. And I think that's a life lesson for all of us. It's, you know, sometimes it's not one big thing at once. It's small the things. The pie, yeah. bro. The right. The pie. Yeah. And yeah, hundred percent, bro. And I've, well, example. Um, uh, I think it was the Pine Grove Shuffle. I think that's what it, the song is, right? Uh, okay. Um, it came up on TikTok. It's like a like a Midwest emo <laughs> artist, but like I, I listen to a lot of rock. Right. A lot of rock, country, and all that stuff, and. Uh, but this guy, he's got a song. Um, 
it's called the Pine Grove Shuffle. And this one kid did a dance to it on TikTok and it exploded. Yeah. And this artist, he'd been posting music since like 2009 or something like that. And nobody was listening. And then yeah. because of some stupid ass video on TikTok, it blew up. And that's and that goes to show you, you know, you may, may may stay a small artist, you may become a big artist, but I think at the end of the, at the end of the day, you need to do it for you. You need right. to do it because it makes you happy. Yeah. And I think that's an awesome skill. I don't know what we're looking at for time. Oh, it's only it's it's four. Four forty one. Okay. I'm good. I'm okay. good at gym till six. <laughs> All right, sounds good. It's yeah, so I think that's great. Just self drive, self reflection. Those are just two skills that I think go hand in hand um, in success in whatever your field may be. Um, and it's just really about the journey. I, with my injury, you know, I had all these goals, win state, uh, you know, go undefeated, many different things like that in wrestling. And I had to get knee surgery early on in the season. And that was devastating to me. And I had this heart to heart with my dad because he was kind of similar from sounds of as your dad. He he would drive me when from a really young age. You know, uh, if you caught me through those first few years of when I started taking it serious, you know, um, he was dedicated. He would take me there. And a lot of the time I didn't want to be there personally, um, but I learned to love it. And looking back, I wouldn't want it any other way. But we were reflecting together like if I never stepped on the mat again without achieving some of those goals I wanted to winning state and it wouldn't have been a waste of time you know I wrestled I've wrestled nine years however long it's been that wasn't a waste of time even though I didn't achieve the ultimate goal so if whatever that field is you're pursuing you know if you don't get the raise if you don't blow up on the internet it wasn't a waste of time. There's lessons yeah. to be learned, 100%. the experiences to be cherished. You know. You know, one one of the big sayings that I've always always heard, um, I think it was, uh, Sergeant Hepler. If he if he ever listens to this, <laughs> uh, Sergeant Hepler was my 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 truck commander on our deployment, and he told me one day, I was like, so I think it was some somebody within the infantry of the battalion said something so stupid, right? And I was like, that was so dumb. And he looked at me and he goes, Private. Said, take the meat, leave the bones, and I think life is just like that, man. Take take what you find is valuable and, and leave what you think is terrible. And I think the same thing goes with leadership, teachers, a life lesson you've learned. I mean, it may suck, and it might be type two fun if you've ever heard about that. You know, mm -mm. something in the moment it sucks, but afterwards yeah. you kind of look back. Look and back, like, yeah. That was kind of fun. That's type two fun, and life is like type two fun. In the moment, it may suck, but look back and go, okay. What can I take from this? You right. Know, why did that suck? And re relationships, especially as you guys get older and you start finding, you're like, I'm going to get married. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to start a family. Relationships are going to fail, man. And that is what it, that's what it is. And I, I stayed away from dating in high school because from a young age, my, my parents let me know, like, hey, like, relationships are going to fail. That's just what happens. People change. And you, as you guys grow up and change, like, I'm 21. And I know from the time I developed from 17 when I first joined to now, I'm a different man. And I guarantee yeah. you three years from now, I want to be a completely different person. And so objectively speaking, you know, you got to take the meat, leave the bones and just do the best you can right. in the moment. Cause that's all you can do is just do the best. If you put your best foot forward and your, and your, your best intentions forward, man, you can't go anywhere wrong. Cause you're doing your best. Right. And you can have that clear conscience too. Yeah. Like there's, there's no worse feeling, I think, than 
you know, going into a job and coming out knowing you half-assed it. How do you think wrestling has helped you develop to up to this point? Um, you know, I can almost apply every aspect of my life, a lesson I learned from wrestling. I've been around it so long. Um, you know, going off what we were talking about, though, like, I would rather lose a match knowing I gave it everything. I trained correctly. I went all in, then win a match feeling like I didn't do what I was supposed to, or I got kind of an easy, or like, let's say, I, I wouldn't say win a match, but like, let's say I got a forfeit, you know, when I was, the guy got injured and then I got an easy shot to the finals or something, right? So that's a lesson there. And what it's really taught me is to hold myself accountable and to just work hard. Wrestling is a, really tough sport you know you're in an enclosed room it's hot it's sweaty it's pretty gross a lot of the time yeah. and if you do if you stop for a split second the other guy's gonna get you he's gonna he's going to beat you up basically it's like a fight without punches is what i call it um so it teaches you to just really work hard and have that self-drive because at the end of the day it's you putting the work in you know, as much as your coach or uh, whoever is guiding you in life um, wants, can show you stuff or tell you the steps you need to take, you got to take them. 100%. Right. 100%. What, va- what values do you pull out of, like, wrestling? Like, where's some, like, the core values are like, all right, these, these will help me in the long run? Um, well, I think I, it, the drive, self-accountability, and then wrestling is a great one, too, is because it's an individual sport. But at the same time, it's very much a team sport. Yeah. So you're on the mat alone going against that guy. So if you lose, it's on you. You'll see guys in football be like, yo, I did everything I could. I ran the if you're, I, I ran the ball, I caught it, my QB just sucked. Or whatever it was. Um, you can't say that in wrestling. But the beautiful thing about it is there's other guys around you going through the same crappy situation. So if when I'm cutting weight and I'm in the sauna – and I have to lose 10 pounds, and I'm already 9% body fat, miserable, miserable. But my buddy's in there with me too, you know? And I can know that someone else is going through it with me. And just the knowledge that you can always do a little bit more than you think you can. 100%. That's that's another big pickup. Man, there's so many life lessons I just love about that sport, and it will always just kind of hold a special place in my heart, even when I'm not doing it, you know? 100%, man, yeah, 100%. Definitely having that integrity that, that I like, all right, I got to cut this weight and that's up to me. Yeah. That discipline to be like, all right, we're going to go to the gym. We're going to train hard. And right. if I don't beat this person, they're going to beat me up. Yeah. That, that mindset, having that ability to, compared to some of these kids, like, and it's, and it's kind of crazy because in high school, I never played sports. Mm-hmm. I was a band nerd, man. Yeah. The band nerd all the way through high school played saxophone. So that's, that's one of those things, bro. It's like, you're going to find different people. Because what you have now is what it took me to join the military to figure out. Yeah. And so whether you find that 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 integrity and in, in that that I got to work harder if I want to survive. Because in the match, I think that's you can apply wrestling to real life. Right. You don't work hard. Someone's going to take your food. And that's right. what it is. Someone's going to take that trophy. Mm-hmm. And like it, you figured that one out. But for me, it took me a long time to figure that one out. Yeah. And I joined the military. And like, yo, if you don't if you don't train hard. Like, I always tell people, there's always somebody out there doing one more push-up than you. Right. There's always somebody out there doing one more sit-up, one more squat, 
no more bench press, and they're out training me because they think they can take what I have. They're gonna take the yeah. food off my plate. They're gonna take the food off my family's plate, and that's why I that's why I train my absolute hardest every single day in the gym while right. I'm studying that knowledge I have. And you know, you can apply that, bro. You know, you're wrestling or whatever career you decide to go into, whether you want to be an accountant or an engineer or you know a lawyer. You got to know if I don't train my best, if I don't understand this knowledge, someone's gonna beat me on that map of life. Yeah. And for me, it's like I have a specific image ingrained in my brain I've had ever since I was 12 or 13. And it's at wrestling tournaments, you'll have all the place you're standing on a podium. And it's just me at the top of that podium standing there. And so when I, <laughs> whenever I was doing push-ups, running, sprinting, uh, even to this day, when it starts getting hard, I just have that image pop up in my mind, and it gives me the will to keep going. And, you know, I've been able to pass so many people just because that one image 100%. in my brain. Yeah. Um, do you believe manifesting is a real thing? Like, if you can imagine it, you can do it? Oh, for sure. And I think, like, thinking about something w will make you better at it. Yeah. Or at least more hungry. Because when I was injured, um, coming off of it, now, you know, I'm, I've, I've lost a little bit. I'm rusty. But in a lot of ways, I feel like I've improved. Yeah. Even over that, just thinking about it and, you know, still believing I I'm on the path to the success I want. Um, I feel like I've gotten better in some aspects. Yeah, especially that ability that you've been able to, to step back. And I guarantee being able to train those younger those younger people yeah. around you, you've got to learn a lot more about the sport that you probably, you you got to see it from a different viewpoint, a different aspect of life. Right. And, and that's a cool thing that you get to do is, you know, you, you kind of get to learn, you know, the hard way, as I, as I like to put it. You know, you get to learn the hard way. You get pulled out of the sport and you're stuck kind of go on the sidelines all right you're up in the you're up in the bleachers now and you're, you're looking down at the playing field and all of a sudden you get a better view and you're like well that person should have done that yeah and then now when you go back to play you can be like oh like i remember when that guy messed right. up i'm not going to do that so that's the whole take the meat leave the bones figure out what you can learn from the situation because it may suck like i didn't get a wrestle but what's the benefit here yeah you know you gotta learn all right this is how it actually like these are some things that i learned while teaching yeah and i gotta just regain an appreciation for it because when you're in it sometimes it you don't appreciate as much than when yeah. you don't have something right i like the analogy kind of what you're saying but there's one where it's like talking about the bigger picture like if you're standing two inches away from the canvas you can't see the whole painting um so that's kind of like that football field if you sometimes you just need to stop in life take a step back and then just look around you like especially like when you're going through hard times, oh, yeah. you're facing adversity, um, you're struggling with feeling loved, whatever it is, just take a step back and look around you because there's so much beauty on this earth. I got a, I got a question for you. Do you feel, and I know this is how I feel with the gym personally, right. do you feel like the discipline and the dark spaces in your mind when you're training really hard, you know, start studying the dark arts, do you yeah. find that you can apply those tough times and staying strong? while training to your you know, emotional and, and, and you know, like if you get, if you feel down, depressed, sad, yeah. do you feel like you're like, all right, you know, I've, I've endured this before, but in a different way, like I'll be fine. I survived. Yeah. I think for me, like when I, you know, whenever I felt down about something, whatever it was, like looking back at some of those situations when I felt really down, it's like, oh man, that didn't even matter. But, um, it, it just, yeah, I w it would motivate me. It's like I've been through hard things before, and I think, like, to get through a lot of hard stuff, 
for me I found is just keep them moving keep keep going because just keep on swimming yeah exactly because the moment you stop you start to sink right 100 percent. yeah yeah if you start to slow down and <clears throat> that's another that's a, that's a great analogy is you know if you sink or swim right you know if you if you don't swim you're gonna sink and you're gonna drown mm-hmm. and that's what it is and i think life's the same way the soon as you, it's the second you go all right this is enough do you believe do you believe that uncomfortability breeds success yeah, um, for sure. And, you know, back to wrestling, that's exactly what you have to do or any type of training. Like maybe you got to stay up a little bit later uh, to just get your resume where you need it to be or yeah. research on a topic, you know, going going in. If I'm doing a podcast and I got a guest that's from a certain field, I should research that field before. Right. Not go into it blind. Just putting that extra time in when it's like man, do I have time for this? Um, if it's something that's important to you, the answer should be yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, th- I think that to tie back in into, into the question like, okay, does uncomfortability breed success? I would say being uncomfortable is, like for me, I learned, and there's, there's a saying in the military, it's called complacency kills. Right. When you become complacent in a situation, you're not looking out for that IED, you're going to get blown up. That's what it is. But, there's a, a bodybuilder. His name is Dorian Yates. Dorian Yates, for a long time, lived on his buddy's couch. Right. And his whole thing is that, you know, he believed, and he was winning, like, Mr. Olympia. Like, he was, like, making a lot of money. Right. But in his mind, he's like, if I move out of my buddy's place and I stop sleeping on this couch, I'm going to get comfortable. Right. I'm going to get complacent. I'm going to lose the Olympia. And so I think if you can stay hard in your mind, like David Goggins, stay hard. Yeah. So that's the thing. If you can stay hard and stay motivated, stay rugged, I mean, and you can then apply that to other aspects of your life, like uncomfortability, you're in the gym, you're working hard, your arms hurt, you're getting a sick pump, and you're like, oh, man, like I'm, I'm in pain. Boom. That uncomfortability is going to build muscles. Right. And the same thing, if you're going through something tough mentally, you're going to come out through the gates of hell and be like, I survived. Look at me now. Heck you know, yeah. And you can learn the lessons from that, and that'll that'll help you grow, you know. And you can apply. That's one thing where I found the gym has helped me a lot, is that I can apply a lot of the lessons that I learn, you know, while tossing around some heavy circles. I can be like, all right, like if I survive that, I can survive this, right? And I can keep growing, and I can find some motivation in that. That's awesome, and yeah, I think that's great. And you'll see that all the time with fighters, especially. I love. I'm a big MMA fan, um, and musicians whatever it might be is they're working hard they're going they're going they're going because when and they're using that i don't have anything as motivation but once they get it Mm -hmm. they they slow down and they're not successful you'll see that with fighters too like once they start getting money wasn't it uh, was did conor mcgregor who was the fighter i don't follow a lot of fighting but i know there was one fighter who like got really cocky and then like just got his ass whooped yeah (laughs) mcgregor i mean that's happened to mcgregor a few times now but like uh he's looked at one of the best fighters of all time now John Jones mm-hmm. he would train i think in like the mountains of like new mexico so he could keep that edge and like you know that rocky style like in the siberian just you got to keep yourself yeah, yeah that uncomfortable kind of get comfortable being uncomfortable is kind of what i say yeah yeah if you can find comfortability in the uncomfortable part of life i mean that's that'll set you aside because I'll tell you what, when things start getting hard, people quit. Right. 
you're going to find out who's the, who's men and who's boys. And that's the one thing with going through going through recon school is you found out really quick who the men of the group were and who the boys. Yeah, and I think before they quit, they panic too, right? Yeah. You'll see people, uh, they panic or they're under times of stress and they just they just lose it. And it's like if you can just learn how to keep it together, it's such a great skill. Yeah, finding finding that that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Resilience. Right. You know, if you can find resilience and be like, all right, you know, this might be tough, but I'm gonna make it through. You know, that's a big thing. And I, and I kind of want to tie it in to, you know, to wrestling. You know, if you're tired in a match right. and you don't have that resilience to keep pushing on, you're just going to quit. Your, your opponent's mm-hmm. going to take you over and you're going to be on the mat. You're going to be done. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's been times where I've been excited going into overtime, you know. Because mm-hmm. wrestling match, you got uh, two three-minute rounds in high school. Um, so, six minutes of wrestling. And if the score is the same, they do another one minute, one yeah. minute, one minute. And there's times where it's been a close match. None of, we're, we're just two tough wrestlers going at it. We go into overtime. I'm like, I see his head's kind of down. You know, his coaches are telling him something. He's not really listening that well. I'm like, okay, this is this is what I train for. This is my time to shine. Yeah. You know. Complacency kills. Yeah. That, ki- that kid was like, ah, I've done this a million times. I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm going to beat this kid. Yeah. And that's when he's not thinking. And you're going to be like, wop. Right, you know, like you're gonna hit him up up the side of the head, and he's not gonna be ready for it. And that's the same thing, you know, soldiers. Oh, I've walked this route a million times. I've done this training a million times. I don't need to pay attention. And you just start going through the motions, and people 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 get killed though. Complacency yeah. kills. Yeah, for sure. And in a real life situation like that, there it doesn't get more real than being a soldier in a place of combat. You slow down, you freeze up. Um, you're gonna feel the effects, man. And you know, comfortability kills too. It kills dreams, motivation. And if you start getting comfortable, bro, you're gonna start failing. And the worst, like, for that is, it's not just your life in your hands either. You yeah. know, you got other people's life, especially as a sergeant. I bet you feel that. Like, you, it might right now it might not be the literal sense of someone's gonna die, but like their development as a person, um, you partially have that responsibility. Yeah. And well, I I know for me one of the big things why I work out is I know that. As a non-commissioned officer, I am, you know, a leader to soldiers. Right. You know, and they look to me, and, I, and I'm held to a standard, and that standard is I'm gonna be physically fit. I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna understand my job to the best of my ability, and I'm gonna be there to help mentor people. And if I'm, if I look like a fat, you know, pos, yeah, someone's gonna see and go, oh, that guy's pretty fat. Like I, like oh, if sergeant looks fat, I can be fat. I can be a, a sad sack of a, a slack jaw soldier. Right. And, you know, I, I can't do that. I got to be the best. I got to put my best foot forward. I have to hold myself to a higher standard so that those below me see that and they go, you know, because if I don't hold myself to a high standard, they're not going to hold themselves to a high standard. And that's, that's a big thing, especially like you as a senior walking around this year, make sure you understand that as a freshman, these freshman kids are going to see you. And if they see you goofing off, they're going to be like, ah, that's the standard. I can be a, I could be a loser. And that's how you get. It. That's how you end up with these kids that are just complete losers. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm not sure about you, but me, growing up, I saw how much my, my my parents are very well off, and I saw how much they made, and I was like, you know what, you know, that's the standard. Right. But I think some people they see what their parents make, and they're like, oh, this is all I'm gonna care about. Like, this yeah. is it. This is the entire thing. And I'm like, dude, no. Like, yeah. the only thing that limits you in this world is you, 100. percent I was right. telling you that earlier. Like the guard, the only thing that limits you in the guard is yourself, man. If right. you want to become a pilot, you can become a pilot. If you want to become, you know, an officer and 
you know, go become a military lawyer. Like that's the only thing that's stopping you is you literally. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And you're talking about how your older brother kind of directed you in life and stuff as the oldest sibling in my family, you know, I have a r- younger brother right below me. Um, I feel like I feel that responsibility of I'm the example in that 100%. situation, you know, and that never stops. I mean, right. right now I look to my brother, he's 23 years old and you know, I look, no, he's, tw- he's 22 now. Um, and you know, I, I look to those things, you know, I see him on a daily basis. I'm like, all right, is he outworking me? Right. Mm, like we're, we're super competitive in the gym. Yeah. And I know, but vice versa, we bounce off each other, but I see like, we like study each other. Like prime example, like, I took my watch off, but our smart watches, we track each other's calories burned throughout the day and our workout times. And like when I show up to the gym, I'm, cause I know he works out in the morning. So like, I'm going to look at my watch. I'm going to see how much he's burned. And I'm like, all right, that's the standard. Like we're going to yeah. push it today. Yeah. And there's, and you don't know like who you're setting the example for sometimes. Like I have a cousin and I mean, I've, he's my cousin and I've seen him a lot. He's, but he's quite a bit older than me. You know, he's in his later twenties now but he's happily married he has two kids now and it's like that's an example that i want to strive for in the future as a person as a man and you know i think one of the ultimate like jobs that like or things a man can achieve is being a father absolutely man fatherhood is a huge thing yeah yeah that's that's one of those things i've always wanted to be a dad right from a young age i wanted to have kids but as i've gotten older and i've matured up i've kind of realized being a dad requires a lot of experience and a lot right. of knowledge and knowing what my parents gave me growing up, I want to make sure that I can give my kids everything they need and they want yeah. to be happy. And that's good. And that that's responsible. Just being prepared. Right. Yeah. Preparedness, man. And that's, that's one of those things that, you know, I, I definitely didn't realize that when I first joined the military, cause I, I, from a very young age, I was like, oh, I want to be a dad. And then I joined and I started talking to all these other non-commissioned officers that were fathers and having that brotherhood, that mentorship of people you could bounce off of, because those, the people that I serve with, the people that are higher ranking than me, dude, I hang on to their words with like every right. limb. Like I'm listening to what they say and I treat it like it's the gospel right. of life because, you know, I know that they would never let me down on purpose and they've got my back. And right. so like I wanted to be a dad and one guy was like, no, he's like, wait, wait a little he's bit. Like, he's yeah. like, wait. And one dude's like, no, man, being a dad's great. And he's like, you can be a dad when you're young, but dude, there are lots of things, different people. Different, give you different advice, right, but right. take the meat, leave the bones, bro. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and I think that's awesome. Um, so as we wrap up here, um, just for the content, can you tell us like a crazy story, something that went down? You're just like, man. Oh man. Because I know you got a couple. <laughs> I got a lot of crazy stories, man. I've done a lot of crazy stuff in my time. Um, time, and I'm, I'm a young dude, but we did a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. Oh man. I would say. Probably one of the one of the funner things we've done is we got to go um, we had to go training with uh, I think it was the Romanians at that point in time, and one of the things we do when we're when you're on a, a combined force base of different countries like we're gonna go do combined training we're all gonna go see each other's weapons right and I got a chance to go and shoot a bunch of foreign weapons like AKs PKMs okay and um, it started getting through the nighttime and I can show you videos once we're done here. But yeah. Nighttime started dipping down and there was still a boatload of soldiers that needed to shoot their weapons. <laughs> and so the Romanians were just like, all right, we're done. Everyone turned their weapons on full auto. We're just going to start ripping through rounds. And I mean, it was lines of soldiers and we were just ripping on these AKs That's crazy. going off. 
Uh, I mean, in Lithuania, we got to do some crazy stuff. I mean, I'm trying to keep it PG, man. I've done some. Yeah, yeah. I've done some pretty non-PG stuff uh, on my deployments, but uh, you know, I've got to I've got to fly helicopters into high schools. I mean, like, uh, let's see, I jumped out of a helicopter at um, Cascade High School. That was really cool when I first came into recruiting. See, I brought a helicopter here for you guys. Yeah. But like, we were in Lithuania. I got videos of we're going through training and. We were uh, hunting German leopards. Wow, that's sweet. So uh, as a scout, one of our jobs is to destroy enemy armor. Right. Technically an armor asset. And so me and my team leader at that point in time, we were chasing down these tanks. And we sat in a ditch in Lithuania for like three days, bro, waiting for these tanks to show up. It was not fun. Um, But, I mean, we were sitting there in this – I can show you pictures, but – we were we were set up in this little this trench system where our javelin, it's a missile system, could shoot where these tanks were rolling out. And we sat there for three days, shot these tanks, and we huffed it back. But I mean, like there's like there's like little just goofy things like yeah. it's going out, going to do some crazy training, like sitting in a ditch for three days waiting right. for someone to pass by, so you can call it up over the radio. I mean, like you'll do some crazy stuff. I mean, it's it's one of those things where like in the moment it's something crazy to keep it non PG. Definitely one of the crazier things I got to do is in Europe, you know, the, the drinking age there, they kind of don't really care. Yeah. So we got a chance. We went over and, you know, <clears throat> got to just go explore, got to go travel. I mean, I think one of the, I want to say crazy, but one of the coolest experiences was definitely going to Auschwitz, man. Wow. Yeah. So I, I you know, at that point in time, I had a girlfriend. Okay. And, and she actually flew over to, to Europe and we got a chance to go explore. And that's one of those cool things, bro. Like, I never get a chance to be able to, you know, go to Europe, and right. go explore. Go to, I got to go to Auschwitz. I went to Krakow, uh, Bialystok, and a few other, few other cities. But I mean, you'll get to do in the military. You get to do a lot of crazy stuff, yeah. bro. I've got to work with, you know, different forces. I've got to watch. I've had, dude. I've had F thirty five Raptors, like literally, like a hundred meters above my head, buzzing me. Yeah. You know, running, running through all we're doing training, and. I've, Right in the back of helicopters, gotta watch tanks shoot. I mean, there's there's a lot of crazy stuff you get to do in the guard, and it's nice because I don't have to give up any of the stuff I like to do. Yeah. And it just yeah, there's there's a lot of crazy stuff you get to do, but a lot, the issue is a lot of it's not PG. I mean, you'll do some stuff, <laughs> and that's what makes it so crazy. Yeah. It's, it's not really PG, and I guarantee Mike Chan and Command will probably watch the video, and they're gonna be like, "Don't say that." No. Keep that. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so. But, yeah. Yeah. You'll. Enough. You'll do a lot of cool stuff like shooting AKs, going out, blowing stuff up. Right. I mean, that's one of the cool things, like our engineers. So if you, we have these things called, um, like almost like satchel charges, but they're 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 ditch charges. They're meant to like to blow craters, cratering charges. I think that's what they call them. I'm not an engineer. I'm a scout. Yeah, fair enough. We had a a guy. He showed me, uh, he showed me some videos where they like basically had stuffed this underside of this car with like. Enough explosives to make this car pass tense. <laughs> and they did. They took and they blew this car into a million pieces out across the Utah desert. And it left like a, a 30-foot crater in the ground. It mean it left a huge crater. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, there's – personally for me, the, like, the craziest stuff I've got to do is run around Lithuania and hunting Germans. Because at that point, we were doing force-on-force training. Yeah. And, I mean, we were literally – you were hunting Germans down. And that was That's like – That's crazy. That's about some, like, World War II stuff. Yeah. It was super fun. Yeah. There any uh, good pranks that went down, you know? Oh yeah, man. Uh, we in our barracks. So when we were in Poland, we had our barracks set up on on post, and 
um, there's an issue our room and this other room we kind of have like so much right. like, like a prank war and one of the things we did is the uh the the they call it it's like a, a sick call but they were giving out free condoms for <laughs> right and we took and we filled up a bunch of these condoms and what we did is we their door was shut but there was a space between the doorbell and the door and we took cardboard <laughs> and we took cardboard up and we let them get a slip at the top and we filled up all these condoms with air You're even right. on like small things different sizes and we slid I have videos of this where I can show you <laughs> and we slid these condoms down in so when they'd open the door it'd be just a bunch of condoms would come out of <laughs> so we did that this had to be like a, su- a super late it was like a Saturday night yeah and we kind of got this idea and we went got all these condoms came back blew them up knocked on the door we took off sprinting down the hallway <laughs> and we waited and they opened the door and all you hear is what the it's like a boat <laughs> yeah. of condoms and then next thing you know like we don't think of anything anything of it so the next day comes along and i go up to my room and there was like peanut butter on the door handle oh. and i was like uh what's gonna be in the room and i didn't think anything of it. i was right. like, the person i'm thinking about i was like a little voice in the back of my mind is like what is in my room we open up that door and the our entire room toilet paper everywhere oh. i mean it, so it just became like back yeah. and forth yeah where it was like a constant prank war I mean, you get there's a lot of like stupid stuff. You get bored on deployments. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not working out, you're, you're causing a ruckus. Yeah. We had um, we had a dog on post. His name was Chico. Okay. And Chico's my boy. Yeah. And um, one of the things like I would do like I bring the I'd let the dog inside. Dog wasn't supposed to come inside. Yeah. But at one point, like my buddies, they had all left. They think they went to it because one of the things I did is I saved a lot of money on my deployment, and I put it in all into the bank. So I would like stay back and everyone would leave. And you had a right. bunch of roommates. Well, they'd come back. And one time they came back and there was like a little pizza store on the post. A, little, like, a Polish ran. We called it Pizza Shack. That's cool. Pizza Eden is what they called it. Um, <clears throat> but they came back and I had Chico on the floor in our in our barracks room. And I'm sitting there playing video games on my gaming laptop. And we got Chico in the room. There's pizza on the ground. He's eating pizza. <laughs> and at that point in time, I just remember the my roommates, they kind of like walked in. They were like, what is happening? <laughs> and like, get this dog out of our room. <laughs> so it's like, ah, oh, my bad. But like the dog, I, I let the dog in a whole bunch. That was one of the things that people get mad at. You're not supposed to do is like let the animals in. Yeah. But like there was like a cat. And I'd go over like I'd steal the cat and hang out with the animals. Cause I, I love animals. So, yeah, there you do a lot of crazy stuff on the planets. Right. A lot of fun things. A lot of hanging out with buddies. A lot of goofing off. And that's. For me, man, that's the biggest thing that I love about the guard, is that the buddies I hang out with, the people I meet, man, you meet some crazy people, you meet some, you make some outstanding relationships, right. bro. And it sucks because, you know, you meet awesome people and then you leave them. Yeah. Like I was just in Arkansas for a boatload of, for for the recruiter school I went through, and I got to meet some amazing people. And as quickly as I met them, I left and they were gone. Man, yeah. And, it, and it, it does. It sucks. But you end up making these connections with people from different states, getting to know a lot of different cool people. But, yeah, man, crazy stories. We give that offline, bro. I'll tell you some crazy stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. But, yeah, just those experiences where you get to walk with people from all walks of life Yeah, are just amazing. And I think definitely um, joining the Guard can provide that for you guys if this is something you're considering. Or just put yourself out there a little bit, you know? Yeah, whether it's the Guard, the Marines, the Air Force, the Navy, the Coast Guard, 
even though they're not a real branch. <laughs> um, whether that's, you know, something you want to do, you know, or not do. I mean, at the best one thing I always, I always tell people is, like, even if it's something you're not interested in, come talk to us. At yeah. least be educated on what you're saying no to. Right. Because if, you're, if you say no and you're like, all right, I don't want to do this, cool. You could be like, you know, I have an educated decision that I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. But I've talked to some dudes. Like, there's one dude. He's like 30. He was at the RSP, and I'm like, yeah, man, why'd you join? He's like, I just didn't know it had this many benefits. And at 30 years old, he's like, it was a no-brainer. I should have done this when I was 21. Right. When I was 18. And that's the thing is that you got to know what you're saying no to. If you're going to say no, all right, cool, bro. Like, I know the military is not for everybody. Trust me, there are some people that I see on a daily basis, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to serve with you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, bro, definitely, if you guys are interested in military service, go talk to all the branches. Go get to know everyone. Because before I joined the Guard, I talked to everyone. Right. You know, that was one thing my parents told me, like, you're going to go talk to everyone. Yeah. So this is Sergeant Caleb Wood. Again, we'll tag him on any of the posts we, that we're in. Um, I appreciate the time yeah, bro. you've taken out of the day just to learn more about you as a person. And then just to get to talk about some of your experiences and, you know, expand our knowledge. It's it's a great opportunity. 100 percent, man. 100 percent. I'm glad. I'm glad you invited me out to talk. Man. Yeah. I'm glad we we got the armor here to talk, but uh, yeah, no, man, it's, it's been sweet. a good experience. Definitely looking forward to the upcoming school year. Yeah, for sure. And to help some people out and, you know, getting to, getting to grow within the community. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Chris Brown. Yeah. All right. That's it, boys. Tune in next week. We got another banger coming up. You know it. <laughs> All right, let's go, bro.